This is FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and WGNSRadio.com. Rutherford County's Place the Talk. Hip, hip, hooray, let's give a cheer. It's 9 a.m., the signal's clear. Our favorite host is in the chair. The Truman Show is on the air. It's The Truman Show with Truman Jones. A look at the politics, news, sports, and people that are shaping Rutherford County. The Truman Show is on the air. The Truman Show is on the air. Now from Adams Place on Memorial Boulevard, it's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS. Here's Truman Jones. Good morning, Rutherford County. It's the Greg Tucker Show today, and it is every Monday. And, uh, you know, this is one of the best ways in the world to have friends. Of course, you and I were friends well before uh, we had this radio show. But I enjoy uh, you so much. Our friendship has survived 10 years on the radio. Can you believe that? No. (laughs) <laughs> well, you, you and I really don't have a, a whole lot of, uh, what what would you say? We're, we're not real strong personalities. Well, no, wait a minute. I'm not a, a real strong personality. Yeah, right. <laughs> Nobody out there believes that. But but you're one of the more interesting people that I've ever known. And I, our, our friendship has gone way beyond what a normal... Uh, friendship would be because basically we both have strong personalities. Well, you're being very generous this morning, but you're still going to have to pay for lunch. I've already told you that I was going to pay for lunch today, big boy. <laughs> it's your turn. All yeah, right. and it's Monday. Well, we need to establish Monday as a different place to go eat each Monday. Now, I know we're, we're going to uh, go uh, to Toots, the one out there on Rucker Lane. In, in Franklin Road today, and it's one of the, it, it's a very nice place to go eat. It, it, it's different than the other toot. It's uh, the other two toots. Two, two toots. toots. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Why do we go crazy as soon as that little uh, light comes on that we're on the air? I'm not crazy. Well, I am. <laughs> Now, uh, uh, of course, today is Martin Luther King Day, and I keep forgetting things until I start going through the school zones, and, uh, and I see, well, the schools are out today. Well, now that you mention it, I plan to go to the bank and the post office when we get off the air. And not the bank. Not the post office. The banks are closed today. Yeah. Uh, well, I didn't know it till I called Janie this morning to see how she was doing, and she says, I'm going to drop by, but you know the banks are closed today. Yeah, the banks are closed, and the post office counter is closed. You can still get your boxes and such. Yeah. I need to mention uh, John Jones is going to be on the show, our realtor John Jones. Uh, let's see, Wednesday. And then Butch Campbell is going to be on tomorrow. And, you know, they have been uh, working really hard to find out who the next superintendent of the city schools is going to be. So Butch and I are going to have a conversation in the morning. And kind of uh, a lot of people don't understand that it's it's a very difficult decision for the, 
the board members to make to make sure that they're going to have the best individual possible to, to be taking care of our city kids. And that, I, I can't wait to talk to him tomorrow. Good, good. I want to remember somebody I lost this last Saturday. Uh, and it's not one that you mourn because the grand lady was at least 98, if not 99 oh, bless her years, heart. years old. And the last comment that I was related to me from her was something to the effect, I don't know why I'm still here. Hmm. Uh, I'm ready to go. My mom said the same thing. Yeah, something yeah. like that. And uh, I'm talking about Florence Ridley. Oh, my goodness. Ridley, one of the very, very important and prominent names in our local history, and yes. she is part of that family. Uh, and for me, not only is it loss of a friend, but she was one of the great resource people I could go to if I needed you know, a recollection. Mm -hmm. She uh, spent most of her professional career, she was a college professor in California, but she grew up here. And uh, her story is about roller skating on Main Street <laughs> and uh, uh, dating and going to the Princess Theater back in the 30s. Uh, you'll find reflected in some of my writings. Uh, and of course, her family, we I've brought on the air her cousin Jimmy Ridley, a character mm -hmm. and also a wonderful resource. He was a lot of fun. Yeah. And uh, uh, the Granville Ridleys, and you know that it was just a very, very influential family. In fact, the most decorated uh, veteran of World War One, Jimmy Ridley's father, of mm -hmm. uh, Ridley, we've talked about. So, uh, Flossie was her nickname. I called her Flossie, Florence Ridley. Uh, well, her mother is the Elizabeth House. Mrs. Granville Ridley, that uh, wrote the journals that I've referred to a number of times. In fact, mm -hmm. not long ago, maybe last week, we were talking about Cortland Street, and yeah. uh, that's that. My source there is the Ridley family. Uh, so, uh, sorry to lose Flossie, but I can't imagine anyone who could live a better and longer life than she did. Being our local historian. Uh, the number one historian uh, that has really um, helped you uh, as far as being part of the community that goes back generations after generations hasn't it? Well you, people like to talk and I like to listen and I think it gives them confidence that uh, somebody's listening when they know that you know I'm the historian and and such also opens doors and avoids conflict. Uh, not long ago, well, you and I had uh, wondered about a particular uh, structure off in the woods growing up, and I went and explored the structure, and I was confronted mm -hmm. by the property owner. You know, like, what are you doing? Of course, I was in the street looking at it. I hadn't yeah. gone up into it. And uh, I handed him my card that says, Rutherford County historian's got the seal on it, and uh, the whole encounter changed. Then he wanted to give me some information and talk about it. So uh, it opens doors and, and prompts relationships that I enjoy. People like to share uh, information and history to people they trust, don't they? 
I think that, that that's what really makes a difference. And you you have that type of uh, background and personality that people automatically want to share things with you. Well, I've got a list of people I need to call and go see before I lose them. And uh, in almost every case, they have come to me saying, you know, I'd like to tell you about something or another. Mm -hmm. And uh, when we're doing that, I like to be able to sit down and take notes and, and enjoy the conversation. You and know, so, it's so sad that, say, World War II, the era of World War II, we have lost so many of them. Since uh, you and I have been on the show for 10 years or more, uh, there's... Uh, it's it's sad to me when I think back of all of those uh, personalities that we've had on the show. It's, it's really meant a lot to me, and I know it has you also. Well, uh, when I began, I could uh, find one or two people who could reach back to the World War One, mm -hmm. uh, and of course that's long gone now. Yeah. But uh, I can remember talking and taking notes from Fred Estes and a couple of others who were veterans of that war and uh, now everything is as we say hearsay yeah there's no uh, primary uh, uh, sources on that part of the our history I took a drive down uh, Church Street south highway 231 going down to Christiana and uh, there's a couple of mysteries uh, that I think we have resolved, but initially were mysterious. And uh, driving down, I was reminded of our friend Dan Whittle. Oh, yeah. Dan, Whittle. Dan and I are riding down South Church. I think we might have been meeting you down at uh, Miller's, but I know we were on our way to Miller's for lunch mm -hmm. and talking back and forth about things. And we crossed a little bridge there just before you get to the Christiana area. And the sign on the bridge that names the creek is Christmas Creek. Yeah. And Whittle looks up just in time to see the sign Christmas Creek. And he says, I've always wondered about that. Someday I'm going to figure out why this is Christmas Creek. And I told him and uh, uh, and gave him citations and references. So it was sure. And a couple of months later, it was the Christmas season and Whittle in his column for the newspaper up in Woodbury at the time uh, said something to the effect that it used to always uh, remind him of uh, uh, our, our Savior, Jesus, when he saw Christmas Creek. And, uh, but thanks to county historian Greg Tucker, he now gets a bah humbug attitude whenever he sees the sign. And I explained to him, uh, which was a surprise to me when I stumbled on it, that uh, the, the creek is named for an individual, a property owner whose last name was Christmas. And the property owner is, is interesting because there was a uh, land scandal back in the late 1700s, early 1800s, uh, which we now call the... Uh, Revolutionary War land grants, mm -hmm. but uh, when North Carolina decided in uh, 18 no 1783 to pay off the uh, North Carolina militia and, and military that was involved in the Revolutionary War by giving away land in what became Tennessee, 
they entrusted the entire program to one man. His name was Blasco, and he was the Secretary of State. And he set up a program where if you came in with a signed uh, letter from your commanding officer that said you were a private for so many years or a captain or whatever, uh, he could sign a uh, grant and that's all it took. Well, uh, unfortunately, Mr. Glasgow was uh, inclined to take advantage of it. So he would work with a shill, I guess, or a stooge who would come in with essentially fake lists and they were assigning uh, land to fictitious veterans among other things. Never give one man all that power. I know it. He I had mean, no review. I yeah. mean, many, there are many, many people that would be very trustworthy with it, but there's always the risk you get the wrong one Yeah. and without any oversight or anything. And finally, about 1798, 99, uh, somebody blew the whistle on it. Remember who that was? Uh, he was a young congressman, and he got to looking around and saw that things weren't like they ought to be. And so he went to the governor at the time of North Carolina mm -hmm. and said, you need to check and see what's going on here. Uh, I'm talking about the Tennessee congressman, Andrew Jackson. So Jackson was one of our first whistleblowers. And uh, they ended up... Uh, Glasgow, I think, uh, uh, was convicted, and uh, uh, I don't know whether he spent time in jail or whether he just had to make reparations. Mm -hmm. I think it's in something I wrote. Uh, but that land scan, I mean, we hear occasionally about the Florida land scandals and all. This was five or ten times the, the scale of these other uh, like the Oklahoma, the Teapot Dome scan. It's just incredible how much land in Tennessee, and of course they couldn't undo all of it. But the uh, the Carolina legislature, after it all came to light and the and the bad guys were pushed out, appointed a fellow that everybody felt like they could trust. Uh, and then Tennessee, by then, said, "Wait a minute, this is land in our state." Uh, Tennessee appointed one, so we had two. The fellow from North Carolina was named William Christmas, and he came in and took responsibility for the Carolina side of the transactions and tried to go through all of it and undo as much as they could find. Uh, but still today, if you go back on it, you can't help but wonder, was this a legitimate at the time, or was this one of the scams? Uh, because frequently what happened with the scam is that they would get the title and then they would sell it quickly. Mm -hmm. So, you know, their connection would disappear. Uh, was, he, was his name uh, Christmas before or after uh, all this happened? Because it was Christmas time for a lot of people well, that's an during that. An interesting observation, a Trumanism. Uh, yeah, it had been a Christmas for some. Uh, now, the the question I've always had on that, and, uh, and uh, let me let me tie it to the creek. okay, all right, all right. Uh, Christmas though discovered that there was uh, pieces of real estate that mm -hmm. were not assigned, or yeah. were assigned to non-existing people, mm -hmm. and uh, as I think on his 
he may have had some agreement with the Tennessee representative, but he paid his salary by taking title to some of that property. Mm. In particular, where Christiana is, mm-hmm. he has he ended up with some substantial holding down in that Christiana area, and the creek, which is a tributary of the West Fork, mm-hmm. was coming through his land or off his land. So the name Christmas Creek came from his ownership, independent of his role there. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did uh, end up with title to a good bit of land down there in Christiana. Now the question I've got is, and I, and I'm I'm sorry I interrupted you because you That's were right. you were going for an ending there, and I just didn't see it around the bend. Um, when they did all of this, as far as people who uh, fought in 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 the uh, um, Revolutionary War, did they also offer families that type of of response? who their uh, loved one was killed during the war. Right. Uh, Interesting uh, point because if you were a descendant, son or daughter, or wife, spouse, surviving of one who died in the war, you got a real step up. Mm -hmm. Uh, You would immediately be credited for the entire duration because part of it was your rank dependent, determined how much you would get, but also your term of service Mm -hmm. so if you just served two years you'd get 228 acres if you serve the full thing as a private uh, you got 640 acres a square Mm -hmm. mile Uh, but if you were the surviving spouse of one who died in the combat in the war it steps way up like it goes up into the 1500s 1600s but they were entitled to it and uh, again, the records kept during the Revolutionary War as to casualties were pretty crude, as you might expect. Yeah. Uh, it's very difficult sometimes to identify the casualty. You know, who was this? Who is this? Very little battlefield documentation. So again, there was an area there for possible uh, exploitation. But yes, if uh, uh, your uh, family made the ultimate sacrifice, you were entitled to essentially a bonus. Uh, it just sounds a little awkward, but uh, you did get a step up in what you were entitled to or what your soldier would have been entitled to otherwise. Now, the, the rules that went along with that as far as um, offering land to all the people, which in, in, in a lot of ways, that, that was, to me, that was a great idea because... Uh, so many of them suffered because of the war, yeah. and many did lose a lot of loved ones during that time. But uh, it was proper compensation, but then also it helped North Carolina secure their claim in Tennessee because they were moving all these people in. And of course, ultimately, Tennessee turned into a state itself, and there was conflict there. That's why I mentioned that uh, Tennessee appointed somebody to represent Tennessee's interest after the scandal was exposed, and North Carolina still had uh, its people involved. What would be the uh, approximate uh, population of each one of those states at that time? Well, of course, the North Carolina and Tennessee was all one state at, uh, a- a- at the very beginning. 
some we have to look at. Uh, Tennessee was just beginning to populate. There was East Tennessee, the Tri-Cities area, which was fairly well on its way, and Nashville. But West Tennessee was still just, you know, Indian lands. Mm -hmm. And anything south of Rutherford County, it's uh, it, if you read the original description of the boundaries of Rutherford County, they had no idea where it was to the south initially. And it just says, to the Indian lands, mm -hmm. to the south. So, you know, they defined the border with Williamson County, Davidson County, and Wilson County that all pre-exist. Uh, but the southern border was just to the Indian lands, wherever that was. It's mind-blowing, isn't it? to find out how they were able to structure this country, each state, and, yeah. and as they move westward during that time. It, 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 uh, it, it, there had to be um, um, extraordinary people during that period. I mean, to even stand up with all the hardships that went with it. But when you think of, of the, the decision-making that they had during that time, uh, we'd never give them enough credit for what they've done. That's true. And uh, the Murphy name is very high in that class of people, uh, the Lytle name. Uh, the structure of these grants, though, also gives you a clue to solving some of the confusion. For instance, there's a plaque down on Broad that says Captain William Lytle was, uh, received a grant for his services in this area and it's 7,200 acres. Well, captains didn't get 7,200 acres. You had to be at least a, a colonel mm -hmm. uh, to get 7,200 acres. So when I saw the contradiction there, I went to the records and researched it, and uh, William Lytle, Captain William Lytle, served quite ably, but that's not his grant. It was his brother. His brother, Archibald Lytle, was a colonel in mm -hmm. the Revolutionary, and the brother received the 7,200 acres that became a big part of Rutherford County, uh, but died before he could claim it and come up. Well, he claimed it, but he died before he could resettle out this way. Mm -hmm. And uh, William, his brother, and six others were the heirs. So uh, William Lytle succeeded to one-sixth of the 7,200 acres, and then bought out everybody else. So he reassembled it. So how did he purchase? Where where did that income come from? Oh, uh, probably by, well, we know that uh, he was a captain. So he had 4,800 acres, I think it is, somewhere. And if you look on uh, the, the grant map up on the river in what's now Wilson-Sumner counties, there is a William Lytle grant. Mm -hmm. So what I expect is he sold, uh, and we could run this down, but I suspect he sold his grant to put him in a position to buy out everybody else on the, his brother's grant. Now, is it? But is there a, a way to go back before the Lytles were in this country? Where did they come from? I mean, there, there had to have been some type of uh, higher position in England or, or Scotland. or, or that. See, I, I, I've never understood that. Well, the Lytle uh, genealogy has been detailed. And they're, they're my uh, kinfolks. Yeah, I knew you were part of those yeah. descendants. 
you and another million and a half people. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but obviously the Lytles were from North Carolina. Where they were before North Carolina, I believe they started off in Virginia and then settled in North Carolina. But you can go online and find very detailed genealogy on the yeah. Lytles, a prominent name that's been heavily researched. You need to study all of this for me. You know, I'm very lazy. Right. Well, coincidentally, uh, looking at another issue, which we can discuss in a minute, I looked up the 1940 uh, Murfreesboro. There were about 12,000 people in Murfreesboro in 1940, citizens. Uh, I looked that up so I could see how many Lytle families Mm -hmm. named Lytle uh, were in uh, Murfreesboro in 1940, which just happened to be the convenient listing. So you're eliminating a lot of blood kin that just do not have the last name Lytle. Well, no. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but just who's got the name? And the Lytle name, there were 17 Lytle families, different addresses mm-hmm. around town. And uh, the book in 1940 specified the race. And 15 of the 17 families were black. Mm-hmm. And interesting, remember last week we talked about Cortland Street. I mentioned it a little earlier. Yeah. Uh, three of those families lived on that little short Cortland Street. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they probably were working in domestic help of some kind. Uh, but the Lytle name was taken by many of the freed freedmen we call them, yeah. right after the Civil War because that was their affiliation. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'd been working, I guess, many of them living and working the plantation. When they uh, were emancipated, they took the Lytle name. So in the 1940, in the 1930s, uh, reflected in the 1940 uh, directory, you've got 15 black families mm-hmm. and two white families actually living in the uh, confines of Murfreesboro. Mm-hmm. Now I'm sure there were quite a number of Lytle families out in the county as well, uh, because there was still, well, I think most of the uh, property that was part of the Lytle holdings was sold by about 1912, 19. Well, no, Carnation bought the Lytle property, so as late as 1928, there was still some of the old. Uh, land-grant property was still in the family name. Uh, and certainly, uh, as you say, the, those that didn't carry the name Lytle were still very, very much in the area. Well, I, it's just that, in fact, to be perfectly honest with you, I don't remember ever knowing any people that had the Lytle name, which I, I find interesting because I've been... My family's been here yeah. almost since the county began. Well, in my research, and I'm always cautious when you talk about family, family names, the last direct descendant, Lytle, uh, to live again within the, count, within the city confines was Julian. The middle initial was B, as in boy, Julian B. Lytle, Jr. Mm-hmm. And he grew up, uh, his father, of course, was Julian Sr. And I know the the junior always used the name Bud, 
his daddy was Julian, so he got to be Bud. Mm-hmm. Uh, they lived on the corner of East Main and University, right across from the Gladstone apartment building. That was the light along. That's a very famous house on its own. Oh, they, the intersection just couldn't be more prominent. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Julian Bud Lytle Jr. was raised there on that corner and uh, was a very uh, adept basketball guard and was my father's best friend. Wow. They grew up together there. Mm-hmm. But Bud, uh, he may have married a girl from Shelbyville, but in any event, uh, he moved to Shelbyville and was in the trucking industry, very successful uh, during the time period that I knew him. Mm-hmm. Uh, died before, I'd say he died maybe in the 80s, 1980s. Uh, but he had moved his family, and although I know in that immediate area there are a number of Lytle descendants, he was the last one with the Lytle name. And uh, fortunately, the Murphy name has has continued, and it looks to me like we got at least two or three more generations uh, in position with the Murphy name. There will always be Murphys here. I hope so. I hope so. And and some of my best friends over the years uh, have carried that name. And uh, of course, I always think back when when I Dr. Murphy, who was uh, uh, pretty much his 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 name was very prominent. Dur- during my heyday, or well, his, when I was younger, his father and I believe the grandfather. There was the Confederate uh, assistant surgeon general, was J. B. Murphy, and he lived until something like 1918, somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not exact, but in that era, uh, he was still practicing, and one of his sons, at least. And then his grandson that you're remembering yeah. uh, were doctors as well. Yeah. In fact, they, I think he outlived one son who was a doctor. Well. Oh, okay. Why were you looking up Lyle? I was going. <laughs> thank you. I was not. I'm so sorry. Uh, wake up, I, I don't know what in the heck's wrong with well, me this morning. The I, other, I didn't get enough sleep last night. The other little bit of mystery you pointed out to me. Uh, that you were aware of it if you're coming north on South Church north up 231 there was a little embankment beside the driveway Mm -hmm. and someone years ago had placed white rock pieces of white rock to spell out a number 231 and today uh, because I made a point of checking to see if it was still there you can still see parts of it. Of course, the grass is growing over it. And it's guess, not as easily detected yeah, not anymore. as easily. Uh, uh, but you can look for the sign on the property, and mm-hmm. that'll help you because the sign says that that's the property of the Highway 231 Church of Christ. And uh, But, I, you know, as long as that 231 and Rocks has been there, I mm-hmm. knew that predated Related to church. I think we're going to have to take a quick break. Let's do that. Because I hear music in the background. All right. All right. We'll be right back with Greg Tucker. From NHC's Adams Place, home of premier senior living on Memorial Boulevard, it's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS, FM 100.5 and 101.9, AM 1450. 
and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. It's a new year, it's new beginnings, and hey, if y'all lasted through 2020, I think y'all be able to last a lifetime. And Bell Jewelers would love to help you create that beautiful engagement ring, perfect for your significant other. We have engagement rings ranging from set, ready to go. This is Taylor Halliburton, and I'm inviting you to come shop with us at Bell Jewelers. 821 Northwest Broad Street, across from Toots. If only I could spend my whole paycheck on new tires, said no one ever. Which is why Bud's Tire Pros makes buying Michelin tires simpler. Allison Mitchell at Bud's Tire Pros can help you out. For service you can trust without the hassle, visit your local Bud's Tire Pros in town. They offer a straightforward approach to service and they include the nationwide warranty with every purchase. Stop in today to see their full lineup of Michelin tires. For whatever you drive, Michelin has a tire to fit any need. Tire Pros, hassle-free, guaranteed. To find out more, visit BudsTireProsTN.com. MTSU's College of Liberal Arts and the Sin Federal Credit Union present MTSU Arts, your ticket to hundreds of visual and performing arts events each year. During our 2020-2021 season, you can enjoy events virtually from the comfort of your own living room. Join the MTSU Arts Patron Society and enjoy member-only benefits. Visit mtsu.edu slash mtsuarts to learn more and join today. Now, an update from the WGNSRadio.com News Center. I'm Ron Jordan. Rutherford County Fire and Rescue called to a structure fire on Valley Bend Road Saturday night. Four of the six residents were home when the fire broke out. Reports show they received minor injuries, including hair singeing and smoke inhalation. The fire under investigation, but so far appears to be accidental. The American Red Cross is assisting the displaced family. Last Wednesday, two Publix grocery stores in Smyrna were hit by a shoplifter who walked away with more than $4,000 in merchandise. The whole thing was caught on security video, and now Smyrna police are asking for your help identifying the woman. There's a picture posted on WGNSRadio.com and a number to call if you recognize her. About 1.30 Saturday afternoon, a car slammed into a tree on Daddy Green Road, trapping the driver inside. The victim had non-life-threatening injuries and was life-flighted to the Vanderbilt Trauma Center. No word on their current condition. The mother of a Nashville man charged for his alleged role in the unrest at the U.S. Capitol last week is in custody. FBI agents arrested Lisa Eisenhart in Nashville on Saturday, charged her with conspiring with her son Eric Munchell to violate federal statutes. She's behind bars in Nashville and will face a federal magistrate on Tuesday. Governor Bill Lee backing special session legislation to deal with learning loss students have suffered during the coronavirus outbreak. The intervening to stop learning loss bill would require interventions for struggling students, while another bill calls for building better readers with phonics. There's also a bill on accountability, assuring students and teachers won't face any negative consequences associated with student assessments. The special session expected to start on Tuesday. News on demand 24-7 at WGNSRadio.com. I'm Ron Jordan reporting. News updates around the clock, when it breaks, and on demand at WGNSRadio.com. We are News Radio WGNS. 
Bet River Sportsbook is ready to make this football season one to remember. All season score at Bet River Sportsbook with free bets, odds boosts, and more. Player props, thousands of game lines, and live in game betting. Bet River Sportsbook delivers best in class sports betting experiences with outstanding customer service to back it up. Go to BetRivers.com. And if you reside in a non regulated state, then BetRivers.net has action for you. Bet Rivers, your hometown sportsbook. Must be 21, must be present in Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, or Pennsylvania to play. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. New VeloMax nicotine pouches have arrived. You've got flavors with five new options, including wintergreen and cinnamon. You've got strengths with two, four, and the new seven milligram strength. You've got freedom. They're tobacco leaf free, so you can enjoy them virtually anywhere. More flavors, more strengths, more freedom. You've got VeloMax. Available at a convenience store near you or visit Velo.com. Nicotine products, underage sale prohibited. Website restricted to age 21 plus nicotine consumers. Listen live to WGNS Radio on our website, and Alexa, or Google devices. Search WGNS Radio for on-demand podcasts in iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Plus, we have direct links to podcasts at WGNSRadio.com. Good neighbor weather. Skies become mostly sunny here this afternoon. We'll see high in the upper 40s. Southwest winds at 5 to 15 miles per hour, gusting as high as 20. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 31. Premier Six Theater is open. They're excited to see you again and will be showing some classic movies you'll be sure to enjoy. Check MurfreesboroMovies.com for showtimes. For Premier Six Theater, they're now open. From NHC's Adams Place, home of premier senior living on Memorial Boulevard, it's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS, FM 100.5 and 101.9, AM 1450, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. And welcome back with Greg Tucker, and I appreciate him slapping me across the head. I'm, I'm fully awake again, so thank you very much, Greg. Uh, the, your point is, I put you to sleep and had to had to intervene. No, actually, the the, the uh, conversation w- was really I was enjoying it all the way through, but well, I just had one of these little nap type situations. When we stopped for our commercial break, we were talking about a bit of a mystery that we had discovered down on the South Church, mm-hmm. Highway 231. Who who put and why? the 231 on the embankment there. And uh, you mentioned that it's MLK, Martin Luther King Day. Yes. I uh, actually had personal experience with Dr. King and uh, remember it very fondly. Uh, But let's talk a little bit about some local black history. Back in 1890, uh, well, in the 1880s was when Murfreesboro first uh, set up a, uh, how would you say, tax-supported school for black children. There's mm-hmm. uh, uh, traces back to today's Bradley Academy. Uh, but out in the county, the county system was also trying to uh, meet the need for educating the black children. And in Christiana uh, in 1890, set up the first school in that part of the county for the black children. It was on the north side of what today is Miller Road. Uh, It continued there from 1890 to about 1918. 
which interestingly enough is when uh, Central High School was first opened in uh, Murfreesboro. At the same time, uh, they built a more substantial school building uh, for the blacks down in Christiana, and it was on the opposite side of the Miller Road, but still there in what we, I would call the downtown Christiana area. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that continued from 1918 up until 1947. And it's interesting, they decided they needed a larger uh, and a, a uh, get out of the downtown area uh, for congestion reasons, probably. And they built a new school uh, exclusively remember this segregated education it was exclusively for the black kids and it was on the uh, Rucker Christiana or Christiana Rucker depending on which way you're going road uh, about where the Johnson Road intersection is today and it was built using surplus recycled lumber from the military installations that mm. were being dismantled after World War II. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not unusual, and it was certainly not a, uh, a, a discrimination. It was being used all over the county and all over a lot of counties in the Middle Tennessee area because uh, the prisoner of war camp down in Tullahoma had a lot of structures, all of which were being dismantled, and they were recycling the material. So that school was built from recycled military-used uh, lumber. And uh, but in 1952, they decided that uh, the building really wasn't substantial enough. So the county built a concrete block, a masonry, of a facility for the black kids, and it had four classrooms, a kitchen and cafeteria, and actually had central heat, gas heat, uh, throughout it, and that was the black school for 10 years. Well, you remember in the early 50s is when the uh, uh, Supreme Court separ- uh, struck down the separate but equal concept. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the Supreme Court wisely put into their ruling that uh, the segregated education, primarily in the South, had to be ended with all deliberate speed. Yeah. In other words, they didn't give you a deadline, really. They just expected, let's go to work. Well, uh, in response to that, in 1962, a new school was built. Uh, again, it was still segregated. And I think at the time that uh, there was some interest in, you know, if we really have nice facilities and upgrade, maybe we can informally maintain the segregation. Uh, and Rutherford County was being much more, uh, how would you say, peacefully, quietly addressing some of these issues in that, yeah. in that time period, something we should be proud of. But they built a new school building and put it out on the Shelbyville Highway. And uh, this is what's curious. They didn't name the school, as we usually do, either for some, maybe they did, for some feature of the area, mm-hmm. like Stewart's Creek or something like that. And they didn't put somebody's name on it, which is very common today that, you know, we honor and name somebody. They just called it the 231 School. And that became the formal name, the 231 School. And uh, recently, uh, I had an opportunity to salvage the 
well, three of the what we call composite pictures of the graduating class mm -hmm. from the 231 school. Interesting, uh, Mr. Fox, I believe his name was John Fox, he had the pump business uh, over there on the old Nashville Highway, he and his family. Uh, he was a collector, and in, after he died, his son found these composites, three of them framed, uh, and although water damaged, weather damaged, because they'd been in a barn, uh, still still legible. So I have one of them, the class of the graduating class of 1964, mm -hmm. the composite. And what's interesting and, and, and touching about it is, it's not one that was done photographically and reproduced for everybody. They made one composite it's handmade and uh, the lettering at the top says 231 school and you can tell it's very nicely done but the letters are different sizes as you go across there yeah. hand done looks like it might have been done with a ruler <laughs> and then inked in probably with just an india ink an indelible ink below that are two rows of color pictures mm -hmm not printed on the paper, stuck on in place. Oh. Two rows, nine in each row. So there were 18 people in the graduating class of the 231 school in 1964 uh, when things were changing, beginning to change. And uh, below the, and each student is named with a hand-lettered name under each of the color pictures, which as I say are just glued in place. And then below that it says, Again, uh, hand-drawn, class of 1964. And then the pictures of the faculty, the entire faculty of the school was uh, five, four teachers and the principal. Uh, the, uh, let's see if I got the name of the principal. All of them were Mr. or Mrs. except the principal, and she was Miss Margaret Butler, principal and it looked like she had a sister-in-law, maybe Ms. Julia Butler, that was part of the uh, faculty. I remember that name. Julia Butler, yeah. Margaret Butler, yeah. Felix Wade, there's another familiar name, Marie Witherspoon, and Willie, uh, uh, Mrs. Willie Miller were the faculty. Uh, I wish it could be preserved, but the, the bottom level had been exposed to water somewhere along the line and the color pictures of the faculty members are are gone. But the name... Well, I'd love to see that, if, yeah, if it was possible. Yeah, the, well, I think they're stuck to the piece of glass that covered yeah. it. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I'm going to take it over to the Historic Society and see. And if anybody's listening who was part of the 231 school, I'd love to get a little more history, history on it, because in... The period 1971-72, all of the uh, segregated facilities were closed. Yeah. And by then, the 231 school had become a 1 through 12, had all, all the kids from that part of the county. And uh, the high school kids were then assigned to Riverdale. The elementary school kids were sent to the new Christian elementary school that was built. Mm -hmm. Architect was my father, so I remember that school very well. I think I did some of the measuring. You uh, did? 
with my father. Yeah, oh. I'd hold the stick while he sighted. Uh, I was thinking that it was a little yeah. wop-sided. Yeah. Can, uh, can I mention something? Sure. Uh, a special lady listening this morning. She always listens to you. Uh, Mentriette. And uh, she asked uh, for one of us to read this from her, a quote. And it says, I will miss very much Florence Ridley's intelligent wit, sense of humor, strength, and grace. It, it, I think that describes her a, a whole lot better than what you did. Flossie, yeah. yeah. Flossie was one of my wife's very close and dear friends. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, but uh, on 231, uh, uh, see, I, I had seen that out there a number of times. And for whatever reason, I did not know that that school existed there, which which is, uh, it, it's it's, I don't know how I, I missed it. I really don't. Well, it was there during a good part of your life because yeah. it was there until, and after it was closed, the property was sold off. Some familiar names: Blanche Summers and uh, the one of the Montgomerys bought parts of it. And uh, before though the property was sold, the building was vandalized. Mm-hmm. And partly damaged by fire, probably part of the vandalizing. But they back up, and and uh, perhaps this isn't politically correct, but I looked at the pictures of the 18 kids, and uh, the boy, the boys are shirt, coat, and tie yeah. for their wow. picture, and all neatly trimmed. The girls, uh, several of them, real cute little girl. I shouldn't say little girls. They were 18, 19 years old. Mm-hmm. But also, obviously, were very carefully uh, made up their hair and all for, for their picture. And the names, the family names. Remember what we were talking about, the Lytles, and yeah. how the name passed frequently from the plantation owner's family name to mm-hmm. the to the freedmen. Uh, two of them were Davis. Four of them were Fraser, Floyd, King, two of them were Lytles, mm-hmm. Pinkerton, Smotherman, Webb, King, all very familiar names throughout the county. Yeah. So I'm going to go back to some of the early days of the county. The given names were all what you could find in the dictionary of popular names of that era. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they were James, they were Frank, they were Judy, they were, you know. Uh, a contrast shows how cultural uh, traditions evolve. Uh, today, many of the young black uh, uh, citizens have names that uh, someone in their family has made up to suit them. Some of them are beautiful, and most of them are kind of complicated for some of us to... In fact, I frequently ask, I'll say, how do you pronounce that? and uh, try to get it. But in the, the 1964 class at the sc- 231 school, the given names are all, you know, James and uh, William, and, you know, names that would be very familiar anywhere. Mm-hmm. I bet I, I knew a number of those, and, and I don't know why, to be honest with you, why I did not know that school existed. In, in, well, it had a relatively short existence. Uh, it opened in uh, 62 and disappeared with the consolidations in 72. Mm-hmm. Uh, the predecessor school had been there from 1918 until 1952, so or 1962. Uh, 
and now we got Oakland and Riverdale. I mean, this county is absolutely full of schools. When when you got schools that number 50 or more, that's unbelievable, because most of us can remember when there's only three or four schools here in Rutherford Certainly County. Certainly, high schools. Yeah. Well, it was a small number, and began to. Uh, you know, every little community was having its own high school, and then we did the big consolidation in 70, 72, mm-hmm. and had just two high schools plus Eagleville, Laverne, and Smyrna. And now I've lost track. What do we got? A dozen high schools, something like that. We got more than that. They have. Yeah. They have. But it, 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 I still would love to have seen us stay with the K through 12, actually it was 1 through 12 back then because it, it kind of related to the personality of that particular part of the community. And was very much a, yeah, a, a self-identification. Yeah. You know, everybody in this neighborhood, we had the same experience, same education. And uh, boy, were there some great uh, athletic rivalries back back then. I'm sure there are today. But then it was really down to the, you know, the kitchen level. But each one of the, the the major high schools developed that same type of situation. Where I mean, the the uh, the Oakland uh, Riverdale rivalry. Of course, that's that's still going strong. And then as each school comes along, then it pretty much portrays uh, the people that uh, live there for so many years and have moved there. Yeah, but they're coming in so fast that... Uh, I don't know how they keep up with it, to I be perfectly either. honest with you. I don't either. We've got a guest that just came in, a friend of mine. Hey, Mike, come Mike, up here. Mike Waller, let's see if we can get him to say something, just to fill the next 10 minutes. <laughs> he just he just coughed on my back. Can I get out of here? There you go. Good morning. Yeah, hey, have a seat. Have you been out working? Yes, sir. He's got on. Yes, you got stuff all over your jacket and everything. Yes, sir. I've been working on home. How are you, sir? Good. You look good this morning. Thank you. Happy New Year to both of you and your families and well, thank you. all of the listeners. Thank you. That was a couple of weeks ago. But it was, but it's the yeah. first time I've seen you since then, I guess. Happy MLK Day. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. and I know you're looking forward to the inauguration. <laughs> Uh, you don't have to. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> What's on your mind this morning? Oh, I'm just going to check in with you. I've been sitting out in the parking lot listening. I didn't want to want to interrupt, but I thought it was real interesting what you were saying about the the founders of the Murfreesboro I, and the Lytles. I heard that you went somewhere and you have gotten a number of beavers. And you, you've got them over there working on a dam over there at the Sam Davis home. Is that right? I've got beavers. I've had one Roger Lee offered to bring me a bulldozer. You know, <laughs> a lot of interest in the dam. Is, Certainly is. Has it proceeded anywhere, any direction? I i don't know. I, I've gotten some emails from Greg, hadn't visited with him. That's one reason I wanted to come by today, just to see where where the core was and if anything was progressing. I don't I'm not aware of it if it is. Well, I think I understood the Historic Commission stands by its position that it's within the protection of the historic designation. But apparently the Corps has a uh, some kind of a 
appeal opportunity, and that's going on right now because the core actually controls that waterway, and uh, they're the ones that ultimately have to give a okay. Uh, but they are required to take into consideration any historic aspects, and uh, I guess that's what's going on. Uh, we just recently communicated and asked to be put on the notification list so we'll know if things are changing or what have you. Mike Waller, I just want people to know. Well, thank you. I think they all know you but now. Well, You've been almost <laughs> a regular guest. Well, he certainly thank has you. Uh, raised an issue which has become kind of a county issue, which it should be. It is, and there's certainly a lot of interest in uh, in Smyrna, well, the I, north end of the county. Yeah, I've t I talked to uh, Brian Hercules a number of times, and they're they're still, he said, very interested in what's going on there, it's especially the, you know, the value of history in sure. in, in, in Smyrna. It has meant a lot to them. Sure, I mean it's a a lot of citizens and friends of the Sam Davis home that have spent a lot of hours yeah and a lot of energy and a lot of money uh to maintain the the uh the home and the grounds because they they receive very little i'm thinking i don't know this but i don't think they receive a whole lot of money from the state they receive some supplements from the from the town but uh, they do fundraisers and all types of events to generate income to to maintain it and it's, of course it's as old as it is, I'm sure that's a, a large figure that uh, they have to spend. Of course, the Christy Houston Foundation, I think, has been oh, aren't uh, they very great. good to help yes. them. Yes, but it still takes you know these volunteers, if you will, that uh, do you know spend so much time and energy to to keep it up and keep it going. How long does the board members serve? Uh, on that. I can't answer that. Greg may know. I believe it's an indefinite. When I was on the operating board, not the board of trust that owns the property, but the uh, group that uh, actually does the operations, there it was pretty much uh, you know, the president invites someone to join the, the uh, board there. And you serve as long as you can, or as long as you feel like right. you want to, because there are people that have been on that board for 20 years, and I was on it for maybe two years. And do, how often do they meet? I mean, is it a structured board, or, or how is it set up? Uh, there are two boards. There's a board of trustees appointed by the governor that actually own or hold the property for the state. Mm-hmm. And then there is the board I call the operating board that uh, is all volunteers, and they are the ones that do the fundraising and the operations and work with the uh, uh, full-time employees. And there are, what, two or three of those? I think so. Yeah. Uh, and I know that board, the operating board, met monthly when I was involved. Mm -hmm. the trustees... Uh, when I was there, it was just more of a, an honorary position. I think of late, they have uh, become more involved. That's a lot of responsibility when you think about it. 
because that, when you're talking about something that means so much not only to the Smyrna community but Rutherford County and, sure. and also uh, basically it's a major part of our history right here so I, I, I'm just wondering uh, um, the responsibility does it lay strictly uh, in their lap as far as the operation of, of the uh, Sam Davis home and the property therein my impression is the trustees have ultimate absolute control, although they have delegated much of it to the the lower board or whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. uh, interesting in uh, my back and forth with the historic commission when the issue first came up, uh, we agreed that it, uh, the dam and such are historically significant part of the property as a whole and should be uh, preserved, but almost for very different reasons. Their uh, written interpretation of the historic significance of that period, which is long after Sam was gone, and we were looking at the 1930s when it became a state uh, facility, a state mm -hmm. memorial. Uh, their history was very different. Uh, the focus was on how attitudes were changing in the 1920s, 30s period, and how uh, heroes were being identified in that time period, and looking back with a particular, and I thought, you know, in any other context, I might want to argue some of this, but we are certainly in agreement that it's historically significant. Mm -hmm. But uh, you remember reading their letter, they're coming from a little different angle than I, right. than I, than I did. Uh, what about the schools? Where do they stand now? Mike would know better than I do on that. You know, they they have voted uh, at their last meeting to uh, cooperate with the Sam Davis Board of Trust, which Greg had been real instrumental in just getting them to talk to one another. Yeah. Uh, so, so as a result of some letters he wrote and, and our urging, they are at least supposedly communicating, but they're, they're waiting on the Corps of Engineers' decision. Mm -hmm. uh, so I guess everything's just kind of waiting on the Corps to, to render their decision uh, as to whether or not the dam is to remain in place or... If the uh, Corps uh, decides to permit demolition of the dam then we move to the financial issue yeah and there's just an awful lot of money involved in uh, the regulatory aspects of this and uh, our position from the beginning was it needs to come to the sam davis memorial and its expenses in some significant part and the original terms that uh, we were made aware of there was nothing in the way of financial support coming to uh, the Sam Davis uh, Memorial. And uh, I frankly would hope we don't get to that point, but if we do, there needs to be some strong uh, consideration of uh, how the financial aspects are going to be handled. It would be. It, the Sam Davis home was there for a reason as, as far as the historical value of it. And, and I think it's important. I think most people would agree that it, it needs to be kept alive. Sure. 
and, and if there's a lot of money coming out that, that could uh, support that home, then I think it should be done. We've run out we of agree. time. I know, I know you agree, Mike. You have worked hard on that. And I know Greg has spent a lot of oh, time. Sure. But uh, I, I really appreciate what both of you have done as far as uh, trying to maintain that part of our history, which Thank is you. a major part of our history. Well, the decisions that are involved need to be done with the interests of the county as well as the memorial. Yeah. And uh, Mike deserves credit for bringing it up because uh, things were happening that none of us were aware of until Mike got involved. We've run out of time, guys. Does anybody, either one of you, want to say anything before we're gone? Enjoy your program. I enjoy it, too. Thank you very much, Mike. We'll have to have you on again. Thank you. Yeah. I look forward to lunch. I look forward to lunch, too. <laughs> and, I, I, and I'm going to pay for it this time. So. Okay. All right, guys. Show's over with. We'll see you in the morning at 9 o'clock. And uh, Butch Campbell will be on in the morning. Give us some good information. We'll see you then. From NHC's Adams Place, home of premier senior living on Memorial Boulevard. It's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS, FM 100.5 and 101.9, AM 1450, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com.